So uh, <clears throat> I'd like to take you guys on a quick, uh, quick trip in a time machine back to the year of 1996, where you can meet 12-year-old Andrew. <laughs> All right? 12-year-old Andrew was in sixth grade. He was awkward between hairstyles and always looking to make a good impression on everybody he met. You could say he was a people pleaser because that's how I thought you made friends in sixth grade. I went to Sandy Run Middle School. It is a uh, middle school in the uh, upper Dublin township. Woot woot. UD, Cardinals. And uh, I was on the blue team. The blue team. And I was in science class one day. And we were given a project during our lesson series on evolution. And uh, we were to draw a self-portrait and then give some defining characteristics that you would like to see yourself evolve into. Maybe wings, maybe chicken feet, whatever it may be. It was up to our imagination on what we wanted to be like, say, in 10 years or so, and whatever we wanted to draw ourselves to look like. But I was moved to do something a bit different since sixth grade Andrew um, was a believer and didn't believe in evolution. So I drew a picture depicting what I thought creation looked like as God was creating the world in Genesis. And so I, there was me, I was Adam, right? And I was in creation, there was a sun, there was water, there was grass, there was trees, there was animals. But it didn't stop there. We had to give a presentation. Uh, so we had to research evolution, so on and so forth, give a presentation on it with our picture and blah, blah, blah. So uh, instead of doing that, I decided during my presentation with my picture next to me that I would talk about how I believed in creation and how I believed in God and what Genesis said, how the earth was created, how God did it in, in six days and what he did in those days. And uh, I was insanely nervous, okay? I've grown up to be a pretty okay public speaker. During VBS, I go wild and crazy. Uh, I've honed my craft and such. But uh, sixth grade Andrew was not very good talking in front of people. Uh, I would get very red in the face. I would stumble over my words. I would stutter a little bit. I would lose my breath. Uh, all because I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to be made fun of for saying the wrong thing. But for some reason, this day, sixth grade Andrew decided to just throw all that out the window and stand in front of the whole class and talk about what I truly believed in. <clears throat> so uh, presentation went fine. I was nervous, like I said. And um, a couple weeks later, we got our picture back. And uh, on the back of my picture, there was this long note that was written by my science teacher. And uh, I, I don't remember her name, but uh, she was very impressed by my courage uh, that it took to stand in front of my class uh, and talk about believing in God. She herself was a believer as well. 
and, uh, and, and she, was, she was happy that I did that. She was encouraged. She was impressed with my courage. Uh, and she was like, you know, I can't stand up here myself and say these things, being a teacher in the public school system. That's a no-no. You can't teach your own opinion and stuff of that sort. So you teach a lesson plan. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about myself. I took, a, I took a stand. There wasn't any pressure, like, forcing me to, to do something. But I took a stand because I wanted to, to talk about what I believed creation was and how the earth was formed. Um, so I was feeling pretty good until at the end of the note, I still only got a C. Because uh, I didn't really do the project that was at hand. I kind of skirted around the project. But that was a C I could live with. There are lots of other C's and lesser grades I got in my life that uh, is hard to deal with. That C, I was proud of because I knew I wanted to do something different that day. And I knew I wanted to stand up for God that day and say, hey, this is what I believe. And, and this is what I believe happened in the beginning of time, in the beginning of the earth's uh, formation. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about something very similar today. Uh, in our Daniel series, uh, we are going through Daniel chapter 3. Today, there's going to be parts of Daniel chapter 3 that I'm going to summarize, and then there's going to be some parts that we'll read because it's 30 verses long, so I didn't want to sit here and read 30 verses, 1 through 30, because that would just be a lot of reading. Uh, so we'll summarize some parts, and we'll talk through some of the key parts uh, that I want to talk through today with you guys. But it basically centers around three young men, the three men that were taken uh, with Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, uh, and how they stood up for God no matter what the consequence that was going to befall them from King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it's a very familiar story. You guys probably know the story as I'm talking about it, but uh, that's okay because it's always good to be reminded and refreshed on what it looks like uh, to stand up for God and what it looks like, um, in, in my opinion, to be a believer in, in our culture today, even, uh, in some ways. So, uh, I'm going to summarize the first uh, few verses. So, King Nebuchadnezzar has a, a statue of gold built. Okay, so this is kind of a depiction of what that could look like. It was uh, about 90 feet high. That's large. That's about 15 of me stacked one on top of another, okay? 90 feet high and about 9 feet wide. All right, so it's about probably a little less than what the stage is here, probably about the carpet, maybe a little, maybe a foot on either end. So 90 feet wide, it's a huge base, or 9 feet wide, it's a huge base, and 90 feet tall of a, a gold statue. Now, not exactly sure what the gold statue could be of, it may have been of himself, or it may have been of uh, one of the gods that Babylon's worshipped. Uh, and he made it uh, to be worshipped uh, at any point in time that he saw fit. Also, it probably wasn't a solid gold statue. It was most likely made of wood and then gold-plated. Um, but still, very, very large and uh, very, very much stood out in front of the whole province, in front of the whole area, that this was something that everybody saw and everybody was supposed to bow down to. Any time that they heard any type of music, 
by horn, by flute, by zither, which I have no clue what that is, lyre. Everyone and anyone had to bow down immediately to this golden idol. So says King Nebuchadnezzar. If someone refused to bow down, then they were to be thrown into the fiery furnace for disobedience. So that's just zero to 100. You don't bow down, you're in the furnace, you're burned up. So says King Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what he wanted to do to assert his power. So, naturally, the uh, inaugural music is played. Everyone in the province, everyone bows down except for three young men, and that'd be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, have, have any of you guys ever seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy? All right. So at the, at the end of the movie, right, spoilers, but it's been out for so long, so it's okay. At the very, very, very end of the movie, uh, Aragorn is crowned king, and he finally takes the throne, and there's the four small, teeny, tiny hobbits, right, that are about to bow down to him, and he says, friends, you bow down to no one. And he goes and bows down in front of them. And any time a king bows down in front of someone, everybody else bows down. Because the king's bowing down, everybody else is supposed to bow down. So this whole entire kingdom bowing down to these three, the four little hobbits, right? So just picture these four hobbits, just everyone's bowing down. So picture that in this same way. This whole entire area of Babylon is bowed down to this golden statue, and here's just these three young men standing there going, no. They took a stand, and he decided not to bow down. So we're going to pick up in verse uh, 13, and uh, we're going to read verses 13 to 15. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Big mistake. We'll come back to that in a minute. Okay, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, you know what? No, we're not bowing down and worshiping this golden idol. <clears throat> it's not going to happen because we worship God. And <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar is furious with rage. We see that. Furious with rage. And I kind of get why. First off, he's the king, and you're supposed to do what I say, right? Parents, if you have kids, they don't do what you say multiple times in a row, probably start to get a little, a little upset. Maybe not furious with rage. But maybe you start getting a little upset if your kids start to be disobedient in a way. And think about who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are at this point. They're not just three random guys, okay? When they and Daniel were taken, okay, we've learned this in the last couple weeks, they rose in prominence in the province of Babylon because they honored God and what they were doing, right? And 
and the king made them um, satraps. They made the, he made them over certain provinces in Babylon. So they had leadership positions, if you will, in Babylon. So these three men, who the king showed favor to and rose through the ranks, decided, no, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not going to bow down. We're not going to do it. So here he has some insubordinate leaders in his view. So if you look at it from King Nebuchadnezzar's view, I kind of understand why he's furious with rage. But we understand why, from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's view, they said, no, we're not bowing down to anything else other than our God for worship. Even under the penalty of death. It's not going to happen. We're not going to do it. <clears throat> so he was so angry, and typically, I've, I've had anger issues in my life before, okay? And typically, when you get angry to the point of rage, you don't, you're not thinking very clearly. You tend to say things you're going to regret. You tend to do things you're going to regret. And right here in verse 15, the last thing Nebuchadnezzar says is, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Time out, buddy. Okay, you're, you're, I get it, you're a powerful king of Babylon, but we're talking about the God of the universe here. And he doesn't necessarily understand that at this moment. He thinks he's so big and powerful. What God can save you from my hand? Well, he's about to find out in a few verses, a little bit later, how powerful this God that he just basically spat in the face of truly is. But just think for a moment of the pride and the arrogance that someone would have to have to say such an, an outlandish statement like that. Even if, it's, even if it's pagan gods, okay? Even his own gods that he worships, he, he thinks he's more powerful than anything at this moment because he's saying, well, God can save you from my hand. He's just out of his mind at the moment because he's so angry that someone would openly defy him. And he was angry and delusional. So we read on, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. These three young men are standing in the face of the king and they're saying, listen, no. We're not doing it. Okay? And it goes so much deeper than just, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it because we worship a God that is so much bigger and so much more powerful that we know there is no other thing to worship other than our God. And we're not going to do it. And we believe that he's going to deliver us from this anyway. Okay? At the beginning of the chapter... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice to make when the 
when the music sounded, they had a choice. Bow or stand. Simple. Bow, stand. They chose stand. They chose to be resolved to honor God. Sound familiar, Brian? That was Brian's, one of Brian's first points from the first week that we had here in our Daniel, in Daniel series. They resolved to honor God with their life, and they said, I'm not bowing, I'm standing. So, <clears throat> then they say this crazy thing where they say to Nebuchadnezzar, our God will deliver us from the furnace. We believe he will. But even if he doesn't, even if you throw us in there and we die, we would rather do that than worship the idol that you have set up. Because our God is that important to us to be the only thing that we give our worship to. So one of Brian's other points was to rest in God's sovereignty. Man, were they resting in that sovereignty in that moment. Because they believed in faith that God would deliver. But even if he didn't, even if he chose not to, they said, we'll take death anyway. Because death would be better than worshiping your idol. Because our God is greater than that. <clears throat> So, to summarize the next few verses, uh, Nebuchadnezzar got even angrier at this. I can understand why. Those under him are openly now, not just by standing instead of bowing, they're now verbally being openly defiant in the king's face. You just don't do that. It's just, it's just you don't. It's not what you do. It's not okay. Okay? You just don't do it. Because it's basically 100 times out of 100 times, it's going to mean death. No matter what. It's what Esther struggled with, but she still went in front of the king, right? It's going to mean certain death. But they said, our God is greater than the death that you could give. And he's more important than this idol that you have made. So Nebuchadnezzar was so angry that there was this furnace nearby, probably the furnace that they used to help build this huge statue. And, uh, and he ordered that the furnace be turned up, heated seven times hotter than normal. What, seven times hot? Like, this dude is in a rage, and he's so angry, he's like, seven times hotter. Now, I don't know if they could actually make it seven times hotter, literally. Probably meant make it as hot as you can make it so that these guys just done. Thrown in, burned, done, out. I can see their ash. They're just gone. All right? Seven times hotter. To the point that he called the strongest guards he had in his disposal. I don't know why. They're just three young men. It's not like they're going to physically do anything. Strongest guards at his disposal to tie them up as tightly as they could so that he could just drop them in the furnace to the point to where they got to the furnace, opened it up, and those guards burned to ash. Just by standing in front of the furnace, that's now seven times hotter, because Nebuchadnezzar is that mad that these guys decided to stand 
instead of bow. So they dump, they get dumped in, they fall in, and, uh, and all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar jumps to his feet and goes, one, two, three, four? I thought it was three guys. And he calls to all his guards, do I see four? Yes, yes, your majesty, you see four. There's definitely four in there. But I thought we threw three in. Well, we did throw three in. Well, why is there four? I don't know. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, well, it looks like maybe a son of the gods. Like he's confused, has no idea why there's now four people in this furnace. And they're walking around. They're not burned to crisp, okay? They're chilling in the furnace, right? Maybe making some s'mores or something. I don't know. They're, they're like, they're hanging out. They're having fun, okay? The guards just walking up to the front of it burned. These three men, now four, in the furnace, completely fine. Completely fine. So he calls out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, come on out. So they walk out. And here's what we pick up. We're going to read verses 26 to 30. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Now that's a change in tone. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. The robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. What? Anybody like to do fire pits or go camping and do, like, campfires? All right. Okay, You're, you sit around a campfire for, like, 10 minutes, okay? Your clothes smell of smoke for the next month, all right? Even after you wash them, it still smells like smoke a little bit, all right? If you don't take a shower that night, your hair, your skin smells like smoke, okay? I don't condone this, what I'm about to say. But when I was younger with my friends, when I was a teenager and I was not smart, we used to, uh, we used to put like butane and stuff on our hands and then light it so we could do like fireball and then it would go out, right? So it wouldn't really burn you. But every now and then we would not put enough and maybe it would like singe a couple of hairs. Like, you ever smell right? <coughs> the smell of burning hair or burning flesh? Maybe it is not fun. Okay? It is not good. It's a stench that just reeks. You can smell it from far away. Okay. This furnace, seven times hotter. The guards burned up just by looking at the furnace as they opened the door. These guys thrown in. Nothing happens to them. They're not dead. They come out, not a hair singed, not a black spot on a robe, not the smell of smoke or anything on them. What? Wow. How? Why? It is insane. Think about Nebuchadnezzar at this point. He's so blind with rage, and now all of a sudden he's confused to no end, and he has no idea what to do in this moment. We go on. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow. Who has sent his angel and rescued his servants, 
They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, <coughs> I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubber. I mean, rubber, he's just going nuts here for a moment. For no, now here's the great part, though. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So they got it promoted even more after this. My favorite part of this whole passage is just these verses right here. He, it's just a total turnaround from Nebuchadnezzar. He builds this idol. He wants them to worship it. They say no. He goes crazy. He goes nuts throws them in. We've done that already. They come out, and he goes, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Wow. And not just that. Makes another decree now and says, anyone who says anything against this God, you might as well just be cut into pieces and your house be destroyed because you guys don't know what you're talking about because no other God can save in this way. I mean, who says, who has that turnaround like that? Like, this is insane. The last point Brian had in his message the first week was to inspire with excellence. Man, that's what these guys did. They stood up defiantly in the face of a self-righteous king where certain death was inevitable and trusted that God would deliver them and praised him even if he didn't. They said, that's okay with us. And it was so profound that the same king then declared the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be praised throughout all the land. I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't, I don't, that's only God. Only God can do something like that. So what does this mean for us? First off, we are very fortunate that we live in a country, an area, where standing up for God isn't necessarily a life or death situation like it was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We just celebrated the 4th of July, right? We have freedom here in the United States of, United States of America in various different ways. Freedom of religion is one of those huge ways. We don't live in a country where we have to go underground and meet for fear of being killed because of that. We don't live in a country with a king that's trying to force us to bow down to an idol that we know we should not serve or bow down to, and if you don't, you are put to death. That's not something that we can really resonate here with completely. But what we do have here is a culture riddled 
with things that want to take our gaze off of God and onto variable N, whatever that thing may be. So many things in culture that will pull us away from worshiping God. So it may not be a 90-foot gold statue of a man. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a 90-foot gold dollar sign that you bow down to. Because if I only had this much more money, then I'd be happy. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. Maybe they're your 90-foot gold statue. That the only reason for your existence is because of this person. And you put them ahead of God. For others, maybe it's popularity for your teenagers. Maybe it's job status. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's material possessions. In and of itself, these things aren't bad things or wrong things. But when they are elevated, 90 feet statue elevated to where they become more important than serving God and they become the idol that you bow down to, well, then that's a problem. And it's a problem that we face daily. I'll tell you my biggest struggle. My biggest statue that's 90 feet, 100 feet, 1,000 feet, this guy right here, me. And I bow down to myself more than I care to admit rather than bowing down to God daily. It's serving the kingdom of self rather than serving the kingdom of God. And I feel like that's a struggle we all struggle with at times. It's kind of a universal idol itself. It's not wrong to want to take care of yourself. It's not wrong to want to make sure you're healthy and all that stuff. But we're talking about spiritually here. When we put ourselves in front of God, when we put our desires in front of God, when we put us 90, 100, 1,000 feet and bow down to us instead of God, and we have a problem. We have a problem. So I ask you today, what is your statue? What is drawing your attention and focus and worship away from God. <clears throat> In just our last few moments here, just want to talk about some hope, because there's always hope. The person of Jesus Christ is the living embodiment of hope. I want you to take a look at what it says here <clears throat> in Luke 9:23. When he said to them all, this is Jesus talking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That's Luke 9, 23. 
most people stop there. But forget about verses 24 and 25, which are just as profound. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? What good is it to bow down to a 90-foot statue if it means you forfeit your spiritual life, your spiritual health? There's three things here. It's a succession. Die to self, pick up your cross, follow me. It's a picture of losing your life. For me means saving it. Denying self. Dying to self means living in Christ. Standing up in defiance of your golden statue to bow down in submission to the holy God. Talk about Jesus. Did this exact thing. He literally, literally picked up his cross. Literally carried it to the place that he was going to be crucified and killed on your behalf, on my behalf, for my sin. So that we could have somebody to bridge the gap so that we could be right again before our Father, our Creator in heaven. Now most of the time I choose to bow to my statue rather than stand up pick up my cross, and walk after Jesus. But today, as we wrap up, let us remember to take the cue from these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to stand up for God in the face of whatever culture or ourselves have to offer on the other side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we come to you now, Lord, and we just thank you so much for for who you are. Lord, for the fact that we are able to be here this morning and worship you and come to you and say, you are God. And we want to give you everything we have, everything we are. Lord, we give to you. We take you from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who stood in the face of tyranny, who stood and said, no, we will not bow down to this idol because we serve a greater God. And we want to do the same things in our lives. We say no to the idols in our lives, to the statue in our lives, because we want to serve a greater God. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.